All aboard! It's time for the crazy train. that time where something has just come across my eyes and my ears and my screen excuse me that I just can't let go and it's really really sad you know why because I had an eight-day trip down to Tennessee and for eight days I hadn't heard I didn't hear one alarm Nobody blowing their horns, beeping their horns behind somebody in the car. Everyone was extremely nice. You know, I'm going to get back to this idea about us being in Tennessee for that while. Because um, we, we went through a couple of states and we laid over and um, we stayed in, in Virginia um, twice. You know, going down and then coming back. It was the halfway point because I didn't want to drive the entire time. But while we were down there, we went um, backpacking, and it was a total dead zone, total blackout. I couldn't get anything, couldn't get any messages in or out. No one could reach me, and let me tell you something, it was a glorious time. A glorious time. Well, know why I said that? Because the minute we got out, it's, it was like at one point, it was an intermittent spot we were at, and I guess we were at the top of, 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 of mountain, uh, we were in Great Smoky Mountain, National Park. So um, we were smoking out in National Park. And when we got there at one point, I got a message in my phone. And I'm like, good gracious. And I thought about answering the messages. I thought about answering the email that I got. I said, no, I'm going to take the break. That's why we're here. So we go back down and we had nothing for like hours. Then we come out. While we were away, I made it a point not to stare at my phone, not to look at the news, not to hear anything. Because I know nothing's going to be different. Nothing's going to change. We had all of 2020 to figure that out when people was blaming it on one person. And there was this guy. And when this guy was out of the office, things would be changed. And when the guy got out of office, things didn't change. The same things are still going on. And you still have the same media driving things to push people to all sorts of stuff. We've been on this steady decline since maybe 2000. Um, especially talking about this particular subject right here. So one of the things, and you know, as I got back and when I got home the other day, I started looking at my emails, started looking at stuff, started clearing my emails, started looking messages and text messages. I'm like, I can't right now. I just, I just got back, been driving for hours. I need to just get some sleep and just try to relax. But you can't relax because it was noisy in this city. So lo and behold, I look at my phone and I start looking at all the stuff. I'm like, here we go again. Someone was killed by a cop. This is what's going on. I'm like, oh, really? This is the same exact time as last year. So I guess we'll have to deal with this stuff another summer. That was a big shock. It was annoying. I'm like, good gracious, man. Let me just turn off my phone. So I've been pretty much, since coming back, put my phone aside, 
not really looking at it. But then came up this news article, and I said, you know what? This was the straw that broke the camel's back. For me. For me. And I don't know why this pushed my button. I kind of know why. But it's it's like, like really? Really? Not black enough? Your original title for this episode was going to be, Am I White Enough for You? Or Not White Enough. And I'll tell you why I, that was going to be the title, but I thought of changing the title to this because if you saw this title and you tuned in, that was a reason for me changing the title. But what is this lady's name? I'm going through my phone right now. Her name is uh, something Whalen. What's the first name? Miranda Whalen. Now, according to this article, I'm looking at the Daily News. There are a few people who had this out there. Uh, according to Daily News, BBC Diversity Chief Whalen, sorry, Miranda Whalen came under fire after she claimed that the beloved detective chief inspector didn't feel authentic. Now, if you haven't heard this, this is all over a TV show called Luther where Edris Elba, I probably jacked up his name, saying his name, is Chief Inspector, Inspector in Chief, Chief in, is he Chief Inspector? Their things are crazy. Um, he's a detective. And if you've never seen this show, I want you to go check it out. I found it quite by accident because I like the guy as an actor. And that's what got me into watching this show. You know, maybe that's the reason why this pushed my button so much. And I got into watching this show. It's one of those slow burns, and if you're into British TV, then you pretty much know how the pacing of British television is. I used to watch MI5. British television is the pace of certain things, and how they, how they tell a story on British TV is a little bit different than the detective stories as we do here. Sometimes it's not about gratuitous violence. It's just the story behind it, and there will be violence, but it's the story that just drives you, pull you in, and drives it, and the characters. So in Luther, I was like, oh, this is a pretty cool show. You get from the beginning of when you start to see Luther is that he's a little unstable. Probably because he's seen too much as a cop. In his home life with his wife, who will soon be his ex-wife, is a little in shambles. Because Luther goes just at the edge of the line. He won't cross the line or break. He goes to the edge of the line, and he gets really, really deep into his cases. And, you know, and I think it was his, his being so far involved in it is one of the things that broke up his marriage even though he loved his wife. And I think as you go through the whole series, you see that his wife did kind of love him. and um, But certain things happen. And in this, in a, in a Sherlock Holmes uh, um, way, not that way, but whatever, there is this lady called Alice, who he meets. And is this his first case or this part of his second case during the first season, he meets a lady named Alice. I'm trying to do this from memory right now. And if I can remember Alice, 
Someone in her family was killed. I think it was her parents are killed or something like that. And Alice is there. And then we come to find out Alice was the one who killed them. Well, Alice is a crazed psycho killer. And the two of them start to get entangled over the, over the course of the series, especially in the first early years where he's chasing her down and all of a sudden she starts pushing his button and they have this sort of working relationship. It's not a relationship like a romantic one, at least not in the beginning because she kind of understands where he's coming from and she's kind of complex. So like I said, this show is, is really good and it, it's got a lot of different layers and complexities to it. And um, so there's that. He has a... Uh, Another young guy who comes alongside is, is one of his, his little protégés who he, he works with and something tragically happens to him. And I remember my wife and I were watching this and we got so mad at this thing that happened to him. And then that pushes um, Luther to go deeper, you know, getting mad and, you know, kind of seeking revenge, but not seek revenge. But it's, it is a great show. It's right up there with a lot of other detective shows that are out there, especially British TV. And I always wanted to see this on the big screen. And there was a lot of talk about Luther being on the big screen. Right around the same time when that happened, the, it, the talks went down. And then they talked about it again. But they talked about it again right around the same time when they were going to be switching up bonds. We knew that this bond... Um, Daniel Craig's last movie was going to be his last movie as his contract ran out. And they were like, okay, who's going to be the next one? And people started saying, hey, how about Albert? He's like, eh, you know, it's about time that we get a black bond. Which made me really mad. On a lot of levels. Because number one, why do you need to have a black bond? Because we need black, you know, so-and-so can get your own or create your own. Now. On the other hand, when it does come to James Bond, because they try to turn into a woman, I was like, mm, and that, you know, this last movie, that was kind of the air that we're talking like, no, don't do that. That's not what's written in the book and the character. Now, you can take the character from the book and write him, and it could be a black actor. That's no problem. Because 007 is actually a designation. It's not a person. But as long as he's still that callous, women-killer type of dude, then we'll have no issue with it. So I had no problem with them changing it, especially since it wouldn't be an American version. But you keep it the way the Brits have always written James Bond. It should have pretty much played out well. And I said out of all the other people, you know what? Elba would be really good at this because of Luther. And then, they, again, the talk came up about Luther coming into the movies, having a big screen, and then that just fell by the wayside. And then the, uh, the show was dead, and it was over. Now we have today. And this wonderful climate. Um, apparently, from all the different articles and stuff I briefly read, when I had read this title, like, what? He's not what enough? Um... Luther now comes to the forefront of social media. One, you know, people have never heard of him, which is ridiculous because, like I said, it is a decent show. It is a great show. And um, someone from the show left. 
I forgot who it was, but someone who was ahead of the show that was writing for the show or something like that, if I remember correctly, I'm probably getting all the information I read crisscross reading it. But the point that I want to make is this person, uh, um, Waylon. Diversity chief. I forgot what her exact title is, but she's someone because the BBC decided that they wanted to do, I don't know if it's a BBC one or just a BBC, they just wanted to start beginning to invest. And why? Because of last year's 2020, when all the stuff actually started under Obama. I said this a thousand times. As a matter of fact, we were way on vacation when the stuff happened out in Ferguson, and then you had BLM rise up out of the dust and come out there and start, and then now is what we have, what we have today. At one point, the media was covering it, and they were saying, yes, police brutality, then it went to, you know, police are assassinating black people, or black men, and then it just went down the rabbit hole and never came back, and it's gotten so worse now that even the media is in there telling you what to think and what to believe. They were already doing that, but they were sort of cunning. Now, they have taken off the gloves and just decided, we're going to be right up in your face because nobody's going to ever challenge us. This is how we become now. No one can challenge us. So the BBC fell right in line with everybody else. Every other corporation, every other business, every other everything else. They fell in line lock and step with the nonsense. And so... Let's take a trip backwards. Let's go all the way back to the 90s. When something happened and the people were saying, you know what, that was sort of prejudice. Now everything is racist. That was sort of prejudice. You know, that's, that's a little bit over the blank, 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 blank. And then all of a sudden we had these things called diversity training. Everybody was now sent to diversity training to know how to deal with a diverse public. But we all know that that's a lie. It was all about you not saying any bigoted thing or treating black people differently. And if you were, you were going to pay for it. So in the late 90s, this was called diversity training. It was on the rise to become big business. It wasn't yet, but it was on the rise to become big business. Lo and behold, we get out of the 90s, and now all of a sudden, Christians are on the front line to be attacked, and we had the person with the cake out west, and they didn't want to make the cake for a gay couple because it went against what they believed in and then the cake got shut down. The cake place was shut down. Now what we have was there was blood in the water and the sharks said, yummy. Fast forward now when the new millennial 2000 hits and there are a lot more of these things that are happening to people like the cake company and a lot of other things in diversity training started changing into, uh, I forgot what it was. You know what? Diversity training may not have been the, the original name of this type of stuff. 
But then they started having this. It was like we need to have this on um, college campuses and in schools, and they wanted cops to have this. And then all of a sudden, it now became big business. She could start hiring people for this. It started. It really kind of went under the radar, but it was building. It was building as big business. It flew under the radar why it was growing because of all of the other stuff that was happening in the world. When we get to the, the 2000s on up to right now, it was the big giant push for gay rights. And could I say the more radical gay wing of gay rights activist type thing. So that was beginning to rise along with the attack on Christian values and all the other stuff. So by the time we get out of the whole, I want to say millennial because we're not in the millennial. By the time we get to the mid-2000s, the world was ripe for craziness because it was also the attack on boys. Women's Lib decided they were going to now push to get them, uh, you know, erase them from their masculinity as young as possible. And that's when they started going after little boys. And now, as you can see, they're going after freaking infants at this particular point. You know, it was a strange thing between my first children and to my last child when my older kids could play in the park and they played tug of war and everything else. By the time my last kid got to their age in elementary school, the kids weren't even able to play outside. The boys couldn't rough house and run around. They had to sit still. No one could do anything. They didn't play ball. They didn't play dodgeball because kids were getting hurt and they were falling and a whole bunch of other stuff. So what they did was they let the kids out at lunchtime and all they can do is just sit down in the park. That is a drastic change between one child to the next. And this is where we were going. You're creating a softer society while you're also programming people to act a particular way and to do a certain thing. Okay. I know you're wondering, what does all this have to do with anything? Well, just think about it. I forgot what her real title is, but according to this, uh, I'm, I'm doing the Daily News right now because it was the first thing that popped up when I started to read this all over again before I started bringing it to you. She is the diversity chief. Why? Because after last year, everybody decided to jump on a bandwagon with black fists and black boxes. Everybody and their mother, every single corporation in business had to kowtow, bend down and say, hey, we're going to supplant the we're going to support the black community and um, against racial violence and racial whatever it is. I know I sound like I'm making fun of it because I am. You couldn't say all lives matter. You had to say black lives matter. And what do we do? We end up in the next year doing what? Asian lives matter. Stop Asian violence. And then the other one was somebody else's lives matter. Stop the so-and-so violence. Like, see, if you just put all about just saying all lives, because now you're going to have to keep categorizing everything down the line. So this lady is hired by the BBC because after all that, people will really want to focus on diversity. Diversity. I hate that word now. I really, really, really hate that word. Diversity. What do you mean? Diversity. Diversity of what? Thoughts? Ideas? So they hire. This has been going around for a while now. A lot of many different companies. 
So she is hired, or whatever you want to call it, for the specific reason to help them, and I believe the BBC is going to spend a hundred million pounds. I don't know if that is in American money. I don't really care. It clearly sounds like it's a lot out of their budget. They're going to spend about a hundred, um, hundred million. Uh, 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 I just said it too. Doesn't really matter. I just said it. So, out of their budget to help make sure that they have diverse stuff on the television. And I think I read at one point where it's supposed to be like five points and, you know, you have to have two points of this thing to pass mustard to be able to be put on the air as a something that is authentically diverse. I'm using that word because she used that word. So in order for this to happen, let's just say you have to have five points. And in for the bare minimum for you to be able to pass the diversity test, you have to have two of these points. That's right. It's a point system on diversity. So that's what this person's here for. And I guess during a discussion, she was talking about the lack of diversity and where it was and how these things went on and blah, 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 blah. And she brings up, because I didn't see her whole, her whole discussion, I did hear the things that she said and I'm listening going, what? Um, here's a couple of quotes. It didn't feel authentic. Let me let me go where I can where I can read a couple of quotes. When it first came out, according to his article, when it first came out in her words, when it, when it first came out, everybody loved the fact that Idris Elba was in there, a really strong black character lead. I could really care less if it's a great story, by the way. She began. Now it goes on to say. We all fell in love with him. Who didn't, right? But after you got into it, but after you got into about the second series, because they say series and we say season, you got kind of like, okay, he doesn't have any black friends. He doesn't eat Caribbean food. This doesn't feel authentic. Really? She says a little bit more. So, as the title goes, Edris Elber, or Luther, didn't eat enough jerk chicken for her. He wasn't authentically black because he didn't eat enough jerk chicken and did not have a whole group of black friends and everything else. Are you kidding me? That's what made the show unauthentic and didn't really make it that diverse because here was a black man who didn't have, who said he was Caribbean? His family could have been black and came up there. And even if he was Caribbean, then so what? Did she look at his wife? She was kind of mixed. And he was a cop. And the show focused on this character, Luther, as a cop in this world, investigating really, really terrible cases, man. I mean, it was some crazy people out there he was investigating. 
And the show focused on who this character was and his job and how he was so good at the job and the impact that it did to him on the job. Now, I heard one other person, ABL, on, on YouTube was saying, you know what? If Okay, so this show wasn't about that. The show was about this. Perhaps she needed to seek a different type of show for that. And there are a number of Hulu shows for that. Blackish, which I think I watched maybe when it first came out, three episodes at most, and then I just turned it off. Um, it's great that they have that on there. And, and, and I guess the point is when you push these shows, it's supposed to um, be represented. It's supposed to represent the people that you're supposed to be seeing. And you're supposed to connect with this. Well, number one, I don't know anyone in my family like that. I may have some southern roots somewhere in the family line, but for all I know, we're all from up north. Many of us have moved out the city to different places. I have a cousin who lives in Texas. I have a couple of friends, I have family members that live down in uh, Maryland, Virginia area. You know, I stayed here. In the city, and most of my family's from the city. I don't know nobody named, you know, me, me, me. I don't know a me ma, and my me ma don't make cornbread using uh, chicken juice or anything else like that. That's not my reality. And I can remember when the Cosby Show first came out. And Cosby got attacked because they said that this is not authentically black. Because you had two professionals, two, a black woman and a black man. They were professionals. They loved each other. You saw the passion. You saw the love. One was a doctor. One was a lawyer. They had decent kids. They had five kids. They were raising them. They lived in Brooklyn. They had a brownstone. They had a grandfather and a grandmother from both sides of the family. The grandfather was a jazz player and also was a man who was in the army and the grandmother did this and did that and it was a great show with a great family and people said that this was inauthentically black until we see that show with urko now it's like okay now we got that yeah, that's a black family that's a real black family really because there are no upwardly mobile or should i say i don't even want to say middle class but there are no wealthy black people in this country no wealthy black families? And unfortunately, when you see some of them today, they're a little kooky. I mean, like the celebrity ones who are out there. So when the show came out, they said it didn't represent anything in the black community. So I guess for Luther, Luther should have been sitting back, sucking his fingers off that jerk chicken, be like, mmm. Yeah, man, this is good chicken, even though he never spoke with an accent. He spoke with his British accent, right? And so he's supposed to sit back there and eat that and eat some uh, ackee and some rice and then lick his fingers at the end of the day and go out and play a little basketball when he's done with that, go out and ride in his hoopty, whatever. I don't know what the, the British version of that is. And, and that's just it, right? Because unless... Black people are defined by the media and television and so on. So unless black people are defined by a subculture or sub-subculture or a sub-sub-sub-subculture of black culture and people, then nothing else matters because nothing else is authentically black. Let's talk about real life, though. 
if you ever come to my house, in the early days when, when my wife was alive, um, we we had nothing in our house. We had lots of candles because we love candles, love the scent, love candlelight. I've always used to write by candlelight. If you look in our house, you may have seen a verse or something around. I still have a few of those around. You might find a picture. I had maybe one picture of the, some print I found from down the block years ago by Harriet Tuckman. I always found her very fascinating. And that was it. I had one picture I brought to our marriage that when I was a single guy I had, which was it was a father in a chair, um, uh, for lack of better, it was a black dad in a chair um, with a son beside him and the daughter was in his arms and he's reading him a book. I was a single dad at one point. Um, and that was, that was the only two pictures I ever had. And only one hung on the wall for a little longer and that was a whole dad picture. The other one, I don't know what how that ended up. And so when we got married, um, the only thing you could probably find in our house was a verse. There is no African mask. There are no elephants. There is nothing on the wall. There's no Malcolm X. There's no Malcolm, uh, Malcolm, yeah, Malcolm X. There's no MLK. There's none of that on my wall. It has never been in my walls. I didn't grow up with a mother who had a black Jesus. There was no Jesus on our walls. There was no such thing. There was no black art that I could tell that was on the walls. Maybe if you looked at my mother's choice in, uh, uh, um, furniture, you could probably say black folks live here, but that wasn't it. And I think in my grandmother's house, nope, she had some beads, she had some uh, uh, feathers, or what, what, what it was black plants, jazz music played, but there was nothing that said that I was black or authentically black according to what people want you to believe believe what people want you to believe that is authentically black hold that thought Psst. now that we have your attention if you have any questions or comments or you just want to say hello you can reach us at whitebeardandtk at gmail.com that's whitebeardandtk at gmail.com and also you know what you need to do you need to check out our channel on YouTube and you will get the full Whitebeard and TK experience. Say it again for Whitebeard and TK experience. On YouTube. There you'll find clips, video clips of the week from a podcast, and you'll soon be able to catch our adventure series that we're hoping to do on Fridays. But we don't know. Haven't picked out the right day that we want to do it yet. At any rate, you'll be able to see both things on that channel. Say it again. Whitebeard and TK Experience. On YouTube. Press that button. No, I meant you, not them. Nothing. In fact, I was accused of such in a school. And a matter of fact, in college, someone called me an elitist. Um, me and, and a guy who I used to, who, 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 who was a classmate of mine who used to work for, uh, what's that magazine? Black Enterprise. Um, and I grew up, you know, my mother had a couple of magazines. She had like Ebony and Jet. And my sister got into Essence later on. 
And if you and if you look at some of these, I don't know about the about today. If you look at some of these magazines, Ebony was more about wealthy and well-to-do black people. And later on, I got into black enterprise as I started thinking business and started thinking money, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s, before I stopped reading all of it. And so other than that, like I said, if you come to my house, it is void of all of that. I don't have a bunch of black friends. I never really did. When I was a kid, I played with, um, well, white kid I think it was. When I was really, really little, early, early on, um, and a couple of Spanish kids, a couple of Puerto Rican kids when I was little. When I got into my teens, I was hanging out with another mixed group, but now um, I started hanging out with Jamaicans. And so some of my friends were regular, I want to say regular black people, but but this is this was my this is my group of friends. Dominican, Jamaicans, blacks, and everything else. Uh, I, I knew a couple of Asian guys because one guy we, we took Kung Fu from. So and that's what I grew up with. When I became more of an adult male, all of my friends went another way. I went to the work world. I was working. I was worked in Lord and Taylor. So I worked a lot of different places with a lot of different people group. Then I grew up. When I became a Christian, I was in a church. Most of my friends from that time, or my acquaintances, from that time period until now are Christians. In my early days, I went to predominantly Spanish church. I would say predominantly Spanish church. Is that the way you want to say that? I guess so. Right. Um, they outnumbered everybody. There were just a few black people and some of them from the Caribbean. There was like a few. You can count them on your hand. That's how many it was. So my group of people surrounded me have never really been a bunch of quote-unquote black people. I listened to hip-hop growing up because I was part of the era when it was created and I was one of those kids out there during that time. But once I moved into my 20s, I moved far away from that type of music. I moved into rock music. I went into hard rock music. I got into jazz music. I got into glam rock music. I went so far away from all of that other stuff. Today, my kids listen to all kinds of music because we've always had all kinds of musical styles played in the house, which is weird because my youngest daughter, listening to everything she's heard growing up, got into K-pop. I don't know how that happened when she was 13. That's Korean pop music. So if by the standard of what people want to call authentically black is always somebody who's listened to some hip hop music of some black rapper or whatever else and they're only eating particular you know if you're in the south southern uh southern i'm gonna say southern cuisine so, um, um um oh my god what do you call black food in, in america uh, uh soul food didn't know i'm not black either Let's get back to Miranda for a second, because she's she's supposed to be in charge of diversity. And so according to her, 
because all these things are there and because of what he didn't have a lack of, this was not authentically black. It didn't feel authentic, this character, this black so-and-so, but he was supposed to be a black detective. He was just supposed to be this guy who had a job. Now, there are plenty of shows like ABL said, you know what, maybe this isn't the show for her. Maybe she need to go see something else and there are plenty of them out there. Maybe you need to see something where you got the black guy who's knee deep into his black culture, who's knee deep into sub-black culture, who's knee deep into sub-sub-black culture and all the other stuff because the whole thug life and the holding your gun and the whole gang culture and so on and so, that's not black culture. And if it is, it's a sub-sub-culture because that's not the all, the end all, the be all to black folks in America. And yet, we say we're not a monolith, and yet, people always want that to be the view of what is and what isn't authentically black. Here's a little tip for you. Miranda is black. So the BBC wanted to have a head of, if she's still the head of by this point, um, the head of this diversity department thing, and they chose a black person who's going to be the head of the diversity thing, and one of her first things to talk about how they're going to be moving to the future and things they want to do is, well, this is not authentically black. So you are now the sole owner of, the sole proprietor, you're now the sole teacher of what is and what isn't authentically black as a head of diversity. Let's talk about that diversity, shall we? Why is all the attention on black? Black people, blackness, what's authentic and everything else. If you're talking about you wanna be diverse in diversity, I remember back in the days it was multicultural, when you want to be diverse and diversity, then shouldn't you be talking about a lot of other people groups other than just the black people? Oh, I know that's the new kid and the new subject on the block that we're going to have to keep talking about. Because if you do that, then you leave a lot of other people out of this discussion. You leave a lot of other people out of this. Then you're not really diverse. You're just a supremacist. Yes, I let that hang silently for a while for you to think about that. You can't talk about diversity without having diversity or having the differences in thought and other things. You know what's funny? Um, my, my, my daughter and I, we watched the show. I really didn't want to watch the show because I kind of, that's right. You're going to hear it now. You're going to hear it from me straight from this mouth. I don't watch a lot of so-called black TV because it all seems to be exactly the same. I can't connect with it because that's just not me. I don't find a lot of the jokes funny because that's just not me. I watch a lot of cop shows. That's just who I am. I watch a lot of military show type of things. Um, I'll watch a few family shows because half of them are just stupid. And, and so we took a chance on the gamble on a show on a, a, what's that crazy show that they're trying to reprogram teens? Um, the CW. 
you know, where they're programming teenagers to be a certain way on the CW. They want them to accept all kinds of stuff and witchcraft. It's just crazy. Anyway, so this one show comes out, All American. The title is awesome, All American. And if I'm correct, the executive producer, or if not the producer, one of the directors, is a black person. I believe it's a black woman. She may be African. I'm not really sure. It doesn't really matter. I found that out about maybe three episodes in when I wanted to check out the show because something about it was a little different or even though it's still like other TV shows. So if you haven't seen it, All American is about, apparently it's a uh, it's based on a true story of an NFL player. And um, he spent some of his time between Beverly Hills and South Central L.A. So you know that this is a show about a black kid playing football from that type of area. And um, in the show, his name is Billy Baker. Well, Billy Baker's a coach. Uh, anyway, so in the show, the kid lives in South Central. So you know, they um, over the past year, though, they've been talking a lot of police stuff and, you know, like what the media was going. So I was kind of skeptical about this year when it returned. Because when we return, they put a big Black Lives Matter painted down the middle of the hallway of uh, the other side of town. Because uh, the, the main character went back to South Central. Because he feels he needs to help his family and help that area where he lives in. It's, it's heroic. Anyway. And so you start in the beginning. I'm like, oh, good gracious. We're going to do this. So apparently, you know, when you watch it, the first two episodes kind of was floating around that. But now we got back into the whole storyline. It basically is, if you guys, and I mean the original, if you remember 90210 with, uh, what's that guy, Green and um, the other people, the original 90210, not the remake that happened in 2000, that would, that's what this show is like. Except for half of the cast, if not the main cast, is black. So he's playing football. He gets a chance to get out of there and make this other team really good in Beverly Hills. Now, the coach, Billy Baker, came from South Central L.A., but he moved to go play football. He was professional, then got out, and then started teaching football in Beverly Hills. He sees this young kid who's got great potential, whose mom he used to date. And so she said, hey, Billy, can you come and help him out? And so he put him on a football team, but the regulation is you have to live in L.A. and South Central. So they moved him in. He moved in with Coach for the first season of the show. Yeah. And so he's living in Coach's house. Now, Billy Baker is married to a white woman. His children are mixed. There's a boy and a girl. And... So you deal with that, you know, him living over there and, you know, fish out of water in Beverly Hills, but then he becomes very close with these people. Then they go back over to here. What's the whole point of that? I'm just telling what the show was like. So we're watching and my daughter noticed something. And it's funny because you don't think about it until you see it and then you begin to notice it. And then she noticed a lot of stuff that I said about this quote unquote authentically black television shows and movies. One of the, th I mean, dude had a thick neck, this thick neck thug dude, right? He's at the local bar type place that the kids like to go and hang out with. And she goes, wait a second. Is that a thug eating a salad? 
And he said, when do you ever see a black man eating, you know, it, well, not when do you ever, but you say, see a black man eating a salad. My man was bigger than a house eating a big plate of vegetables. And I was like, you're right. That's what we begin to notice that this is a different show. And then I started watching it. Then we got it kind of got hooked. And I said, the reason why I did it is because you begin to see now what we should see across a lot of different television is, yes, this thug was eating salad. There's something else we saw which, which, which was different of them doing and someone eating and someone wearing and do something. I'm like, this is good because you get to see another side that we never see. You always see these guys eating a burger and they drinking a beer and they do so-and-so. It's like, nah, he's taking care of his body. Turns out, you know, he wasn't that bad of the bad guys. He was one of the bad, good guys of the bad guy. Anyway, so, and I found that fascinating. And that's what attracted me to this show. I think by the standards of Miss Whalen, this would not be an authentic black show. Because whenever they start to show the people in South Central, you see something totally different than you ever see in TV shows that's supposed to be talking about black life and black culture in a ghetto. You have some people who dress that you would think would be dressing a particular way. And I think that this is purposely set up and designed by the, by the, the show's showrunner, which is good. Because if you want to talk about diversity, let's talk about diversity of thought. Let's have true diverse characters and, and, and the culture in what you're talking about. Even if you want to talk about, let's, let's stick to the subject here, a black life. Black life is different. I think even on that show, one of the, one of the characters is a vegan. So it's like, you know, when, when do we get this diversity you're always talking about? You guys get hired as diversity coaches. You get hired as a diversity a director like this person. You get hired these people, and all you keep giving us is the same trash over and over and over again. You hire black actors, I mean directors, to direct movies that have black people in it because they're the only people who can tell, a, who can tell uh, um, 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 an authentic black story. Bowl. Sunday night we watched, I don't know why I did this. I don't know why I did this to myself. I'm telling you, I don't know why I did this to myself. I didn't want to see this movie from the beginning. Shaft. I'm not a big fan of Samuel L. Jackson. He happens to be in a lot of movies. I'm not a big fan. I'm just not. There's just no great big reason for it. I mean, a lot of his movies were okay unless he's in something that has somebody else in it. I, you know what I'm saying? I'm not attracted to his work. Oh, Samuel, I'm going to see that movie. No. And so when they started to do Shaft years ago, 2000, was the original one, that's when they were doing a lot of remakes and movies of TV shows that were not comedy on TV, but you put them in the movies and they became comedy. Starsky and Hutch. They screwed it up. I never saw the movie. Didn't want to. 21 Jump Street was a great TV show. They turned it into trash in the movies. Um, what's the Lady Cops? Charlie's Angels. Did the same thing to Charlie's Angels. I mean, these are three smart ladies. Well, maybe not. What's his name? She wasn't too bred on the show. 
So when they did Shaft, I'm like, oh gosh. And it was like, Samuel Jackson, so guess what I did this weekend? I watched it. And let me tell you something. I am who I am, so I have absolutely no problem in telling you this. When we were done, I told my daughter, okay, I filled my quota for black movies for this year. We watched the original Shaft and then the second one that came out last year, which I said or in 2019, I said, you know what? I might, I might, I might want to see that one. Maybe. I'm not a fan of the N-word, and I mean saying the N-word. I don't mean saying the word. I mean saying, he said the N-word. That line, the N-word, is stupid. Just say the word. Just say the word. And since this is a sort of family podcast, um, even when I do these sort of things or I get into political rant, I try not to curse, which I don't do in my daily life anyway. So I'm not going to say the word. You already know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the whole N-I-G-G-E-R. Now, if your child can spell, you go ahead and run with that. If they can't spell, they didn't hear the word, so you can't say they heard the word. Got where I'm going with that? So, there was a thousand MFs being said throughout the movie. They said that word, I don't know how many times I lost count. The first movie was directed by, I think it was written by a black person, the first movie was directed by John Singleton, you know, Boys in the Hood. A black director so you can get a authentic black movie if this was the authentic black movie about authentic black people about an authentic black detective they failed and, and what we ended up was a foul mouth thing with a bunch of cursing and the story was crap i mean it was terrible the movie was terrible it was some bad 1970s old uh, uh um what are those movies I grew up watching when we were young? You know, like Black Caesar stuff happened. I'm sitting there going, this is terrible. But they hired black people to do with black authenticity, and this is what you get. The second movie was a little different. I don't know who the director was. I think the director was black. The writer was a different writer. It was a different director. The film was a totally different film. A little better. Still not that great. And this is a problem. If you're given the job to do something better than someone else because someone else can't tell your story, then when it comes time for you to stand up and tell your story, then perhaps you, you need to tell some really good stories. Perhaps you need to tell some different inner stories because if not, then there is no diversity. All you have is this one particular narrative that's always going to go out and we keep seeing and hearing. If you want a John Singleton movie, see a John Singleton movie. But if you want a movie that's going to tell a wider audience and tell a wider story, then perhaps you need to get somebody else. That movie, Get Out. Um, it's great. I mean, I grew up watching horror films growing up. They were both, you know, black people, white people in horror films. I thought that film was great. I liked the, 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 you know, the particular balance between comedy and, and something else. And it was a different story being told. And here was this director telling a different story. Then he did the other one, Us, or Us, whatever. And it was really cool. 
there are a lot of people who didn't like it because they want to keep it in this particular box. But that's not true diversity because you need to have a diverse point of view, thought, and all of the complexities within the culture. If you don't understand that, and that's not what you want, then you're lying when you get hired, like people like this Lady Whalen who says, this is what I'm hired to do and this is what we're going to do. No, you just want to keep promoting the same nonsense that everybody sees. And no one wants to see this. I read where um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think it was episode two, where everybody decided they just turned it off at the same time. I'm not shocked. Because if we're going to talk about race in America, then why we keep coming back to the two group people groups when there's a lot more. So, um, yeah, so he's not black enough, I'm not black enough, so-and-so's not black enough, and this is what you get. A person who's supposed to be in charge of diversity, yeah, whatever. Why don't we stop talking about diversity unless we're actually going to talk about it? Unless you're actually going to stop letting the news media and the other people drive what you think and what you feel and what you see. I went to take the car into back to Tennessee. I said or I was going to get back to this. I went to take the car in the other day to be fixed. Actually, yesterday. We took that long drive. She was smelling funny. The exhaust and I had to get the oil changed. and got the uh, transmission oil. All the transmission fluids and stuff changed taken care of. The guy says, oh, so, so, uh, blah, 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 blah. And I said, yeah. Um, well, we just got back. He asked why I'm there. I just got back from a long drive, and I need to have my oil changed. And I said, well, where'd you go? I said, Tennessee. He said, oh, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't go down there, you know, with the climate and, and so on and so forth. I said, well, it was really nice down there. People treat us well. Yeah, you know, I don't know. You know, the way things are going, you know, I, would, I, I, I don't know. Because I, I have, you know, I have friends. Who went there? I have friends, you know, I know people who used to live in Tennessee and they left and said they would never go back. I start to say, yeah, I live in New York City. When I move out, I would never want to come back either. But here's what his problem is. He's stuck in a mindset because he was told to think this way. He was taught to think this way and never ventured out on his own. We actually got in that car drove down to Tennessee. I ain't seen nobody out there with a noose hanging on the back of their truck driving out. We were down in Sevierville and someone said, well, that's one of the good parts. Okay. Why would I want to go to one of the bad parts? I live in the ghetto in the South Bronx. Why in the world would I seek out the same sort of area in another state? Isn't that the whole point of escaping from the place that you live? Isn't it the point of escape? Well, let's, let's, go, let's go for a little bit. Let's digress. Isn't the point of getting out of poverty to be out of poverty? To become wealthy? Oh, money change you. you absolutely right. Let me tell you something. Money will change me in a hot second. Because I don't have to live like that no more. I don't have to live in that area anymore. 
Most people live in these areas because that's all they can do. They cannot get out. Okay, I'm back. So, I said, people treated us nice. It was great. But he's left with watching the news. He's left with hearing stories of other people who had a probably a bad situation or maybe none. He's just seeing it's racist everywhere in America outside of New York City. Oh my gosh. And if you listen to what the Cuomo brothers the other day, I listened to the crap he was saying and Maxine, Mad Max Waters. I'm like, you people are out of your mind. No wonder people are uptight and going crazy right now. But my experience was, we went down there and I saw a woman who was old as dirt. I mean, she old enough where she ran N-I-G-G-E-R off her tongue like it was water on a hot spring day, on a hot summer day. That's how old she was. Where she could have been one of them people. I held the door for her. She said, thank you, sir. And went on and the other ladies came in. Thank you. I don't go out looking for incidences of someone treating me differently because of the color of my skin or because of something else. So if it happens, I guess I would miss it. But I don't go out looking for it because I go out to experience and to enjoy myself. That's it. So we actually went to Tennessee. He's up here thinking bad thoughts about Tennessee. We actually experienced that part of Tennessee. He only experienced it through something he saw on TV or heard from somebody else say. That's not a good thing. And when you have people like Miss Whalen over here controlling television and controlling movies and controlling the images that you get, she may have a twisted view of this. And that's all we're ever going to get. I wake up every morning with my brown skin and I live my life in my brown skin, but someone else wouldn't look at my brown skin and tell me I'm not black enough because if my car rolls down the block, I mean, I'll be playing uh, uh, Chris Stapleton screaming out my windows or Queen or some other, other music or some, some sort of uh, gospel music, whether I don't know what style I might be listening to. So I wouldn't also be black enough for these people. I don't care. I only care when you start saying that something is not authentic and your idea of authentic is some garbage thug life nonsense. You may say you represent something, but you don't represent me. That's not my life. That's not what I've grown up to know. That's not who I am. That's not what I raised my kids to be. And it's a shame that so many of these people get so much attention and so much light and they get to be in these positions and people like me and others like me, we never hide in these positions. I said this before about my Instagram and, and everything else. You know what? You see my picture, you know who I am, but I don't put up a bunch of that other stuff because that's just not who I am. That's not my world. And I'm not going to be sitting up here eating all that stuff all the time to the point where you can't move out that box.
So yeah, this was the straw that pushed me to this special episode. I could have went knee deep in all the politics that's going on too because it's just insane. But as I, you know what? This is insane. I just come back and we got all of this craziness on top of what's happening in the news about some other kid who got killed. And I'm like, here we go again. We're going to have another summer, another spring of the same nonsense. you got this person over here in British TV talking about what's not authentically black. you got the other stuff where everybody's saying we're going to have this... You know, if you look at Amazon, it's like, you know, black, black focus, black TV, whatever it is. It's just like, come on, man. Come on. Come on. If you want to have diverse programming, then have it. Then let it be truly different. Let it be truly, what's that word? Inclusive. By having all different types of all different people groups and all different ways of thinking and seeing and all these different people groups. Let's get some more television and movies and programs where we're seeing even older people do something. Let's, let's come on, man. If you're going to be that way, then truly be that way. Because if it's not, then the rest of it is a bunch of lies and it's trash. I don't know about you, but I've said this so many times, especially on my political rant type things. It's like, have you had enough yet? I know I have. So America, when are we going to stand up and just say enough already? Enough. Let us just be who we are. Give us some good stuff to watch on TV. Can the news go back into being journalists and journalism and reporting information and disseminating good information? Do I need to see Chris Cromo sitting up there like he's doing Othello? Well, I just went to Othello, huh? You know, like he's doing some great dinner theater somewhere. Are you not supposed to be a journalist? It's like, I'm tired of these people. I'm tired of hypocrites. Mad Max telling you that, you know, if we don't get the verdict that we want, then we're going to go out here and we're going to do this and we're going to, and you need to get more confrontational. You mean, this is what she did before. And that's wonderful for her to say. But she's going to harm and damage the same black people who she's claiming she's dared to help. Just like this lady who's supposed to be a diversity supposed person. You're telling these people that if they don't get the verdict that they want, that they should act a fool. And in return, you'll have a more police state, the same thing that you don't want. You're in charge of diverse programming, and yet you're going to put out the same nonsense out there that's already out there, and you're going to claim that as authentic black people. And then when you see other people groups, then the largest group in this world, in this country is white, and they start treating you according to the only thing they've ever seen is you on TV, then doesn't it make sense to put a different image of black folks on TV and in movies? 
Luther didn't have to eat no jerk chicken for me to want to turn on this television to watch this show. It just was a really good mystery show, and that's why I watched it. And I watched every season. I feel sorry for this lady and the people like her because they're trapped in a box and they're trying to ensure that you and I and your children and my grandchildren and for generations are stuck in this box. I refused. I refuse. I refuse. And I ask you again, have you had enough? I have. I am authentically whatever I am. She doesn't get to tell me that. She doesn't get to tell you what is authentically black with what's, in, what's authentically white. Can you imagine that? Do you ever hear of this conversation where white people saying you're not authentically white? Mexicans, I will well, hear it around Puerto Ricans because I live around them. Um, it's like, really? This is crazy. I've had enough. Hope you had enough. Hope you go check out Luther because like I said, it is worth checking out. We can skip over these people who get hired to be, you know, in charge of all these different things. But what I'm saying is pay attention. Pay attention. Reject them. Go out and actually meet people. Go out and actually go to that place. Go out and actually enjoy life and other people. And that's it. That's all I got for you this time. Go and experience life for yourself.